You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is called Welcome to the Demonstration because there's a scripture in Romans chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 that says, but God demonstrated his love towards us towards you and towards me. And how did he make that demonstration? How did he sit you down in front of that TV and make that demonstration for you? But God demonstrated his love towards you and me in that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for us. And verse 9 says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. In the original text, that word demonstration means to show, it means to prove, it means to establish, and it means to exhibit. So in this passage, we see that God made the choice. God is the one who demonstrated his love toward us. He brought us to that apartment. He sat us down in the chair in front of the TV, and he says, I want to put on a demonstration for you and for me and for all of humanity and show you how my love is for you. He made the choice to demonstrate his love toward you. He showed his love. He proved his love. He established his love, and he exhibited his love toward you. If there's nothing else that you hear from me today, you need to know that God loves you and wants to help improve your life. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, more so part B of the scripture, it says, He who does not love does not know God. But the, the passage, the focus that we want to look on, for God is love. Usually, when you see the word is following something, that's going to be the definition of it in the Bible. God is love. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, we find out the definition of faith. Now faith is, faith is, this is the definition of faith according to the Bible, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here we have a definition of what God is, and we have a definition of what love is, and they go together hand in hand that God is love. God is not hate. God is not mad. God is not angry. God is not frustrated. What God is, all-encompassing, is love. And so as we go through this demonstration, we're going to look at that scripture again of Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, and we're going to put the word love in where God's name is in that scripture. Romans 5, verse 8, but love demonstrated his own love toward you and me, and that while we were still sinners, love made a choice to die for you and to die for me. And verse 9 says, How much more, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through love. Praise God. Welcome to the demonstration. How did God, how did love demonstrate, show, prove, establish, exhibit his love toward you is the question that we're asking today. And we're going to answer that at this passage where love, number one, found you, love, number two, called you, and love, number three, protects you. Love found you, love called you, and love protected you. Romans 5, 8 says, but love demonstrated his own love toward you that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. 
that while you were still a sinner, while you were still out in the world, you were still running and doing whatever enticement sin had for you, no idea that God existed, no idea that God loved you, no idea that God cared for you, no idea that God already sent his son to die for you, to be buried in a tomb and rise again on the third day to eradicate, take care of, and free you from that sin that you were labeled as a sinner, God decided to come find you. You remember back in the story of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve eat the fruit, the snake has enticed them and told them, has lied to them, has convinced them that that piece of fruit will help them get closer to God when in reality it was going to separate them from God. And they eat the fruit and they realize that they are naked, they are ashamed, and they go run and hide. And what does God do? God starts searching for his creation. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? In the cool of the day, the same time he would come and visit Adam every time. Adam, where are you? It wasn't Adam looking for God. God, I messed up. God, I sinned. God, I'm naked. He didn't run to God. It's what we all do when we sin. We run away from God. We run away from church. We run away from the Bible because we're still naked and ashamed. But that's not who God is. In the moment of our weakness, it says that he is at his strongest, and he comes looking for you. Adam, where are you? He's calling you today. He's searching for you today. He's looking for you today. Hey, where are you? Well, luckily, it'll be easy to be found because you're in church today. There's a story that I want to talk about. Jesus has just done his second miracle. He's healed someone, and he's gone to Jerusalem for a feast. And it's kind of a weird story because he, it says that he shows up to this feast, and then he just starts walking through Jerusalem. And it's kind of a weird story to read because it looks like Jesus almost has a purpose to meet somebody in Jerusalem. Now, at the time when people would go to Jerusalem for a feast, they would come from different towns, they'd come from different cities, they'd come from different regions to celebrate near the temple. They would go there to celebrate this feast. So there'd be tens, hundreds, thousands of people in Jerusalem, and Jesus shows up to Jerusalem doesn't even say his disciples are with him, and he starts walking through the streets by himself. And it says that he gets to the pool of Bethesda. As you read about the pool of Bethesda, it was this interesting place. It had five porches, and there was a pool in the middle of the arena. And it says every once in a while, an angel would show up and touch the water. And as soon as people would see the angel touched the waters and there'd be ripples in the water. The first person to jump in to the pool would instantly be healed. I guess kind of like healing springs over there. Just that an angel would touch the water. So there were hundreds and thousands of people in these five porches that were sick. And they were fighting each other to try and get into the pool. And Jesus walks into this area with hundreds and thousands of people, and it's seemingly he's walking over all of these other sick people. It says that there are lame people, there are blind people, and he gets to this one guy, and he stands in front of this one guy. Hundreds of sick people all around him, 
but it seems like he's on a search. It seems like he's on a mission to minister to this one person. And he stands in front of him, and we'll pick up the story in John chapter 5, verse 6. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Verse 7, the sick man answered, saying, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Verse 8, Jesus seemingly ignoring that excuse completely because Jesus is on a mission to help that man. He says, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And verse 9 says, And immediately the man was made well, praise God, took up his bed, and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. That this is a same story that Jesus wants to convey to you. That God is looking for you. He's searching for you because what he wants to do when he finds you is demonstrate his love towards you. And tell you about his son and what his son did for you. That God will jump over pew, over row, over house. He'll do whatever he has to do to come and find you and stand in front of you. And he's asking you today the same question that he asked that man. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to overcome that addiction? Do you want to overcome that insecurity? Do you want to overcome that sin? Do you want to be made well? Is the question that is being posed when he finds you. And I can't be mad at this man because I do the same thing. You do the same thing. We start making excuses. Well, I'm not good enough, God. I'm too much of a sinner. I'm struggling too much. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. I, I try to do this. I try to go to church. I try to read your Bible. It's just when I try and do that, it seems like something else happens. I try and get in the water, but nobody will put me in the water. But I love Jesus, and I love his love for the man. He doesn't even acknowledge his excuses because he's on a mission to heal and take care of that man. And he says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. I know you're in the middle of this sickness and disease all around you all the time, this negativity at those five porches over and over and over again. But it's time for you to pick up your stuff, pick up your belongings, and no longer stay in that area that you're in because I want to demonstrate my love for you. And by demonstrating my love for you, it means that you get healed, spirit, soul, and body, because he's searching for you. Love went on a journey with the sole purpose to rescue you and help you out of your situation. Love is still searching for you even now, even at your worst moment. Love decided to go search you. The scripture says that he leaves the 99 as a shepherd. He leaves 99 sheep to go find the one. When I was younger, living in Louisiana, before the casino showed up and brought a lot more business to where I'm from, we had this really small Walmart. I don't know if Walmart supercenters existed back in the 90s, but we had this little tiny Walmart. And we'd go to Walmart, me, my older brother, and my mom. And as soon as we would walk into Walmart, my mom would get a buggy. Me and my brother would be gone. We'd be taken off terrorizing through the store. We'd go run to the, the snack section and be trying to sneak some boxes of Little Debbies into mom's cart if we could. When she'd tell us no, we'd take off running to the toy section and try and 
look at all the toys and, and press all the buttons before the batteries died. And then we would always end up at the electronics section because in the electronics section, they usually had the newest video game set up with the newest game on there. For us, it was like the Super Nintendo or the Sega at the time, and we could go and play Sonic, or we could play a game that we couldn't afford. We could look at the, uh, all the games behind the glass door and say, oh, I want that one, and I want that one. And Nintendo Power was a magazine at the time that would tell you secrets about video games, so we'd be flipping through, trying to remember the code, and, and remember, Josiah, you got to go this way, and we got to do this, and A, B, 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 and you're trying to get a pen and write it on your hand. And while we were doing all of that throughout, we were having fun, enjoying our life, doing whatever we wanted to do, we would hear over the loudspeaker, Jeremiah and Josiah, your mother or your party is waiting at the front door. It's got to be somebody else because I'm not lost. Mom's walking around and shopping and doing all her stuff. It's got to be somebody else. I'm having fun. I'm doing my own thing. But I didn't even know I was lost until I got called. I didn't even know that I was too far gone until I heard someone call me and tell me. And I take off running because I knew if we didn't get to mom by the second time, I will don't let the second time happen take off running to mom as we're walking out and I got found. As my parent, my mom, my dad was looking for me and I didn't even know I was lost. I was out having fun. You were out having fun in this world. You were living it up, having fun. But here today or at some point in your life, you heard your name called. Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? Because God wanted to demonstrate his love towards you. And it might have been at the worst of spots. It might have been in a jail cell. It might have been in a hospital bed. It might have been at a church. It might have been by a street preacher. It might have been by a missionary. It might have been by a, a, a mom or dad who loved you. And God says, Adam, Eve, where are you? I want to demonstrate my love to you. Because he's searching for you. And because he's searching for you, love found you. The second thing that we see is that love called you. Love called you. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And right there would have been good enough. Could we agree that if that scripture was left alone in how God demonstrated his love for us, that would have been good enough. God demonstrates his love toward you that while you were still a sinner, while you were still ignoring God, it says in the scriptures you were an enemy, you were a foreigner, you were a stranger from God, he decided to send his son to die for your sins, be buried in the tomb, rose again the third day, and if you believe on that, then you'll be saved. That would have been good enough for God to demonstrate his love for you, but that is not who God is. God is an abundant God. God is a giving God. God is a loving God because in verse 9 it says, so much more, so much more, having now been justified by his blood. That word justified in the original text means, I love this definition, to render just, to render innocent, or be free. That God decided so much more, not just, not just saving you, not just finding you as a sinner, 
and helping you by telling you about the gospel message. He wanted to do something even more to demonstrate his love to you, and that's by being justified by his blood. And when you're justified by his blood, according to the scriptures, it means you're rendered just or innocent. You're free. It also means to judge, to declare, to pronounce righteous, and therefore acceptable. Praise God. How much more, having now been justified by his blood, by love's blood hanging on the cross, that God is judging us based off of his blood, not my blood. And he's declaring and he's pronouncing or he's calling you today. And what is he calling you? Righteous. What is he calling you? Acceptable. What is he calling you? Free. As the one who is leading the demonstration, he could have called you anything. As he brought you to that apartment, as he sat you down in that chair, as he pressed play on the video, as that video started playing, he could have called you anything. Loser, sinner. But what he decided to call you was free. What he decided to call you was righteous. And because he decided to call you that, he also decided to accept you, to bring you into the family. It says in the scriptures that Jesus is not scared to call you brethren, it says in Hebrews. Scripture now says that we can call him Abba Father. Not just God, not just Yahweh, but we can call him Abba Father. And he is not ashamed to call you brethren to call you a son, to call you a daughter of the Most High God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul is writing to his son in the faith, one of the last books that he wrote, and he writes in, the, in, the, in his book, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Look at verse 9. And this is the power of God who has saved us. Not only did it save us, it also called us. Not only did it call us, he called us with a holy calling. Look at this. This is beautiful. Not according to your works and not according to my works. There's nothing that you could do to obtain the love of God. There's no work that you could do to obtain the work of God. The only way that you could obtain the love of God is believing on the work in the completed cross of Jesus Christ. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us. Once again, love and giving go hand in hand according to God, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Before time even began, he had a plan to demonstrate his love to you. Before you committed your first sin, he already had a plan to eradicate that sin out of your life. Before you even commit the sin that you're going to do tomorrow, he's already forgiven you. Not because of what you've done, but because of what his son did. July 4th, 1776 is when we signed the Declaration of Independence. It wasn't until April 19th, 1775, 
where we fired the first shot, the shot heard around the world to start the Revolutionary War. And the war for our freedom did not end until September 3rd, 1783. We signed the declaration July 4th, shot the first shot, 73, and didn't finish the war and gain our freedom until 1783. Whoa, 1783. When we first started working and striving to win this war, you get a day off on September 3rd, 1783. Isn't that your birthday? <laughs> it's my father in law's birthday, so we kind of celebrate that day <laughs> in our household. 1783, he's <laughs> he helped. <laughs> now we have Labor Day on what, September 4th? Is that when it is? But we're not celebrating. That The day that Americans decide to celebrate our freedom is the day that we called and declared our freedom. Not when we started working for our freedom, not till we got to the very end and we'd been striving and striving and striving. No, no, no. The day that we celebrate our freedom is the moment we decided to declare our freedom. Jesus dies on the cross. He's breathing his last breath. And the very last thing Jesus yells out is, it is finished. And there's something interesting that is not recorded in the Bible. What is not recorded in the Bible when Jesus says, it is finished, is that God spoke. God did not say, no, it's not. Jesus breathing his last breath says, it's finished. I did it. Does not tell in the Bible that God says, nope, they're going to have to read their Bible more. If they don't go to church, it's not finished. If they keep sinning, it's not finished. No, no, what's recorded in the Bible is Jesus yelled out, it is finished, and all of heaven was quiet, which means God sitting on his throne was fully satisfied with what Jesus did on the cross. And if God is fully satisfied, then you should be fully satisfied knowing that he called you free at that moment, that when you believe on the finished work of the cross, you are instantly no longer a sinner. You are now righteous. You are no longer a stranger. You're now a son and daughter of the Most High God because he called you. Because love decided to demonstrate it towards you and me by calling you justified by the finished work of his son's blood on the cross. He called you. And the last thing that we have is that love protects you. Love protects you in Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through love, through him. Love protects you. Let's see what he's protecting us from. That word wrath in the original text, the description is violent passions. Violent passions. Justifiable, abhorrent punishment by implication. 
anger, indignation, vengeance, or wrath. Thank God that's what he's saving me from. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound fun. Violent passions. That we know that there is a devil on this world, on this earth, who is still striving to destroy what God has established. It says in the scriptures that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is all he does. All he does. Steal, kill, destroy. That is his MO, his modus operandi. What he does. Steal, kill, destroy. He wants to bring wrath to your life. He wants to bring sickness to your body. He wants to bring pain to your relationships, your finances, your health, your mental state. He wants to bring chaos everywhere that he can. And the scripture says that love is demonstrating, God is demonstrating his love that he has for you by saving you from the wrath through his love. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. We just found out the name of the Lord, so let's put it in there. Love is a strong tower. The righteous, we know the righteous is you and me. Once we become saved, we're no longer sinners. We're now righteous. The righteous run to love, and you'll be safe. Don't be like Adam and Eve and run away. When you sin, when the devil's attacking, when you're frustrated, when things aren't going your way, you should not be running away from God. You should be running to him because it says he is a strong tower. And when you run to that strong tower, it says that you're safe. It says in Romans chapter 5 that he is going to save you from the wrath that is to come. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. Praise God for the American military. We have several military men and women who have served on and off throughout in our church. And the military has constantly protected the American people. And we understand, because what the military has done in the past, that they're going to do it in the future. We have records of the American military keeping us safe. The Revolutionary War, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Korea, Spanish-American War. We've seen that throughout. The war on terrorism. They've kept us safe in the past. We don't have anybody coming into our towns from a foreign nation and trying to destroy us. They're currently keeping us safe. There are men and women who are not at home. They can't kiss their spouses, can't kiss their babies on Valentine's Day weekend because they're at different bases all throughout the world keeping us safe. And we know because of the track record of the military, they're going to keep us safe going forward. If something happens... We can call upon the military to go and defend this great nation. God help us if something happens in Ukraine over the next week. But I know that our American military is going to keep us safe. And I know that God is on our side. So God, move now and fix that situation. But you also have to know that there is a military that you are a part of in the kingdom of God. If you read in Ephesians, it talks about putting on the full armor of God. We see the rankings and the listings of these angels that are fighting for us throughout the scriptures. 
that God has made a choice to keep you safe and protect you throughout your life. That as soon as you said yes to Jesus, he's going to save you from wrath. He's going to protect you. He's protected people in the past. He protected Adam and Eve, protected Moses, Abraham, King David, the prophets, the disciples, protected Jesus when he was on the earth. He protected and saved and did all these different things. And if he did it in the past, he's protected many of us. The only reason you're alive and sitting in this chair today is because there was an intervention with God finding you and calling you. And he protected you. He saved you. He's going to save you now. He's got his angels already moving and working throughout the world. Remember, remember this, that the devil, when he fell, only took a third of the angels. I'm from Louisiana. My math isn't that strong. But that means God kept two-thirds of the angels, which means before anything ever even happened, God already had a majority over the devil and his dumb demons. So we've got a bigger army on our side. God gave us the church. God gave us his word. God is constantly now trying to get ways to protect you in your life. And God is going to protect you. Love is going to protect you for the wrath to come. Eventually this world will end. God wants to protect us on this earth, but he also wants to protect us into eternity. That Jesus took on the full punishment that we were supposed to have. And that by believing on him, we get to spend eternity with our Father. We get to spend eternity with our Savior. We get to spend eternity with all the men and women of faith that went before us. And we don't have to have that eternal punishment. Yeah, hell is hot and it's not a place to go. But the biggest punishment is being forever separated from your Father. Being forever, think about that, being forever separated from love. That's the ultimate punishment. For eternity, you never, ever, ever get to experience love again. But when you say yes to God, when you say yes to Jesus and what he did on the cross, you get to spend eternity with love, the full definition of love, forever, forever. So as we finish, as I shut down and shut up, 1 John chapter 4, 17 through 19, I'll finish in with this scripture. I love this passage of scripture. I love 1 John. Love has been perfected among you and me in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How can I have boldness in the day of judgment? Well, because Romans 5 verse 9 says that he's protecting us and he's saving us from the wrath that is to come. So I can have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, as my big brother Jesus is, so are we in this world. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And we finish with verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. Welcome to the demonstration where love wants to remind you today of these three things. Love is searching for you and will find you. Love has called you not based on what you've done, but based on what love did. And lastly, love is ready and willing to protect you today. You are forever loved by love. Demonstration is now complete. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you for your love. 
We thank you that you are love and that you have demonstrated your love to us by giving us your son, giving us your Bible, giving us your Holy Spirit, and giving us the full assurance knowing that when we close our eyes and breathe our last breath here on earth, we will open our eyes in seeing our Father and seeing love in all its beauty in heaven. Father, I thank you for the men and women that are here today, that they have a chance in their lives to experience and encounter your love. Father, I ask that you speak to each and every one of them and help them see your love, experience your love, be found by love, be protected by love, hear the calling of love, that they don't take this moment lightly. They don't miss the moment of this demonstration in what you have for them. And even as I'm praying now, let's just pray this prayer together. If you've never prayed it or you've prayed it before, it's a great reminder. Or if you'd like to experience love for the first time, today is your day to receive that demonstration. It's nothing about the words that I give you. It's about the heart and the intent that you have behind, that you need that love in your life, that you need to experience, encounter, and have a love encounter with God. So if you would, just Pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, love of my life, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sin and that you were buried in a tomb and you rose again the third day because you loved me. And now that you're searching for me, Here I am. Love me. Call me. Protect me on this earth and on eternity to come. From this point forward, I choose to follow love, to hear your voice and experience you. Father, I am your son or daughter today, and I'll see you in heaven in my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for those who might have prayed that prayer for the first time, those who have prayed that prayer to rededicate their heart in regards to loving you again and experiencing your love again. Father, I thank you that we all start a brand new journey today, experiencing your love, experiencing this demonstration that what we thought when we came in in regards to who God is is different when we walk walk out knowing the love of the Father. Father, I thank you that your word says that these people here have the mind of Christ, that their body is the temple of the Most High God. They are healed by the stripes of Jesus. The favor of God surrounds them like a shield. Everything they put their hands to must prosper. Father, help them as they go about their day, as they go about their week. Love on them throughout this week. Remind them of how much you love them. Father, protect them, bless them, and bring them back safely. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next week. Happy Valentine's Day. Take some food to go. for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.